in the world can help your son become a godly man? Hey, you can. Let's talk about it with Joel Fitzpatrick on Steve Brown, etc. He's an old white guy, an author, broadcaster, and seminary professor who's sick of religion. And he's brought friends. Please welcome Steve Brown, etc. And that's the name of the program, and we are so glad you are here. I'm Steve, the aforementioned old white guy, the father of two daughters and three granddaughters, and not one gorilla in sight, which means I don't have to listen or obey or feel guilty or in any way be disvalued by listening to what Joel has to say today. Matthew, (laughs) Matthew... Man, that's kind of a nice place to be for me, given that I'm driven on guilt. Sounds to me like you're intimidated. <laughs> Matthew Porter is here. I don't want to say Matthew is stressed, but he did recently pick up a new hobby, quietly despairing. <laughs> I'm actually pretty good at it. <laughs> and Jinx, our producer, is working hard in the little glass booth. Jinx is excited because it's finally... Pumpkin spice latte season. You know, I absolutely you really despise drink, that, right? You, that's what makes it funny. Stand I don't drink pumpkin beer. I'm definitely not drinking pumpkin coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Screw up the two best things on the planet. And the time that we had for a birthday party, pumpkin cheesecake was. Don't start. Oh. Man, I'm I made pumpkin you. bread over the weekend. Became an instant I'll classic. I'll take a pumpkin pie, but that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Our video director, John Myers, is the tech in the tech bunker. John is kind of like duct tape. <laughs> he, he can fix anything, and he's also sticky. <laughs> in fact, only after lunch. This broadcast was almost delayed because he was up fixing something on the roof. He's got good job security, I want you. Right, Dr. Bingham? Oh, absolutely. And Dr. George Bingham is the president of Key Life. George wants me to remind you, every dollar you donate to Key Life gets us closer to hiring a real joke writer. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, And Kathy Wyatt is the soft feminine side of the program. Her favorite hymn has to do with cakes. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because (laughs) make those checks out to the Life Network. Exactly. (laughs) Post Office Box 5000, Maitland, Florida. Another instant classic. By the way, can I just tell you before we get into this that I want to make it clear to Joel because not too long ago you were on their great podcast that um, uh, Joel actually is Elise um, and Phil Fitzpatrick's son. And Jessica Thompson, who was on last week. their brother and sister, and you were recently on their podcast, at which point you announced, thank you very much, that I intimidated Billy Graham. And may I just say that 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 is a lie from the pit of hell, and it smells like smoke. It's absolutely not. (laughs) He wanted my private number because he had to confront Kathy to get to me. And uh, I mean, Mr. Graham and 
he's when we get to heaven, he'll tell us the truth. You it is are, not oh a lie. Oh my goodness! It is true, and a, and a long list of others. They're all dead. <laughs> Our guest is Joel Fitzpatrick, and uh, Joel has served as an ordained minister in the Presbyterian Church in America with a focus on youth and family. That's because he's crazy. He, he received his Master of Divinity degree. We call it an MDiv in the business from Westminster Seminary in California. And Joel, you don't know this, but I was on the board of Westminster Seminary Philadelphia when we gave birth to you guys in California. That's how old I am. Wow, he is wow. The, were, the, were the dinosaurs there too? Were they yeah, on the board? Yeah, they really were. I was, listen, the reason I'm a good Bible teacher is all those people are my friends. <laughs> they lived when I did. The dinosaurs? No. The, oh, yes. The, that's what he was referencing. <laughs> uh, Joel, by the way, is co-author of Mom, Dad, What, Sex? <laughs> And, uh, listen, that sold a lot. And and his latest book is called Between, and I hold his book in my nicotine-stained fingers, Between Us Guys, Life-Changing Conversations for Dads and Sons. Joel, should, uh, should women just turn us off? <laughs> Um, well, I mean, they could if they needed to, to go do something, I guess, but uh, I don't think so. Um, I think that the reality is that the principles that I'm talking about here in this book, the reality that Jesus is the point, um, Jesus is the point of our parenting, not obedience. Um, I think that that is applicable to both men and women, I hope. Um, I mean, Kathy, you can tell me better uh, than, than I can just assume for women. But no, I, 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 plus I'm, I'm a likable guy. And I'm weird. So just hang out and have fun and laugh. Like, I mean, why, why leave? You know, you, you know, I felt like I needed to say that at the beginning, but there's a crisis nowadays. Uh, we have a divorce lawyer who's a mean uh, person. Person. And you know, he's been advertising on billboards. We're going to get her. Uh, you you hire us, man, and we're in your corner and we're going to just. But he's gotten soft of late. And I had a commercial from this particular lawyer who said, Are fathers important? Of course they are. Is marriage important? Of course they are. And you ought to do everything to save your marriage. And I almost ran into a telephone pole. And then he said, but if you got to do it, we're your guys. But, but I'll tell you, marriage is important. And fathers are important. And we're going through a period in our culture where men have been delegitimized. Uh, who was the comedian who said... Uh, a woman needs a man the way a fish needs a bicycle. And she also said, I, I, the only thing I want him to do is to come into my house, fix my toaster, and then get the blank out. Uh, and that is, those are mildly funny comments, but they reflect something that's far deeper and more profound. And uh, so this book, I think... It, is is not only 
so very important. But it's so very important because we're living in a time when not only we need to find out what it means to be a godly son, we got to find out what it means to be a godly father. And even more than that, what does it mean to be a man? Can you be sensitive and drink lattes and still be a man? No. Uh, What do you mean, no? (laughs) Not if they're pumpkins. Not if they're pumpkins. (laughs) Okay. All of that's just kind of to bring up some stuff. Uh, What does it mean that it's not about, I thought maybe when I picked up your book that I was going to get a list of to-dos. Rules yeah. and regulations. Son, you do this, or I'm going to break your face. You mess <laughs> this up, and I'm going to take you out of my will. You mm-hmm. you in any way betray your manliness, and I'm your example of manliness, then you're going to be in such trouble. And then I pick up your book, and there's all this talk about Jesus. What, what, you, <laughs> what were you thinking? What, yeah, what were you thinking? <laughs> no, talk to us, yeah. Joel. Yeah, so, you know, I really wanted to lay out a a different way, um, a better way of parenting for men. I think that men really do struggle with what it means to be a man. I think right now, especially uh, in this sort of uh, portion of our culture, uh, in our history in America and in the church in America— Men really struggle. They look at it and they think that they need to either be a really tough guy or they need to be really sensitive. And their sons pick up on that stuff. Uh, I hope that what I do in the book is lay out the reality that being a tough guy doesn't make you any more a man than drinking pumpkin spice lattes and getting in touch with your feelings does. Um, What I hope to lay out is that The biblical picture of manhood is not about being a conquering king or a dominant man or anything like that. The picture of being a man is really found in Jesus, who was the ultimate man. He was the one, not ultimate like he was the best, although he was, but he was the perfect picture of manliness. And, you know, the beautiful thing about Jesus is we don't know if he had huge muscles, We don't know if he had a great beard. Uh, We don't know if he drank lattes or beer. We do know who he created wine, which is pretty epic. Um, (laughs) He saved a party by doing it. Yeah, right? Really good wine, too. But we know that he, he gave of himself so that other people can live. And that's what I'm trying to get across in this book. Oh, people, don't go anywhere because we're going to go down roads that aren't often traveled. Discuss subjects that aren't often discussed. Go places where Christians don't go. It's time we talked about fatherhood and sonhood and what it means to be both. I, of course, model that for everybody. (laughs) Or people think I do because I have a deep voice and I look like Santa Claus. That's enough. Just look at me. And copy me, and you'll be okay. We'll be back in a minute. Hi, this is Eric, producer of Steve Brown, etc. If you've been listening very long, you know I'm a struggling believer, and I'd love to share some things that have helped. 
At Key Life, we believe that the deepest message of the ministry of Jesus and the Bible is the radical grace of God for sinners and sufferers. And we have four mini books that'll help you believe that no matter what you've done or what you're going through, God's not mad at you. Feeling Guilty, Suffering, and Faith and Doubt by Steve Brown will help you apply healing biblical truth to where it hurts the most. And my mini book, The Gift of Addiction, How God Redeems Our Pain, shows that coming to the end of ourselves is actually the beginning of faith. These four mini books are in the Grace for Sinners and Sufferers mini book combo, and it's available at keylife.org for a suggested donation of $12. They're also individually available for a suggested donation of $4. Talking with Joel Fitzpatrick and his book is Between Us Guys, life-changing conversation for dads and sons. Joel, um, I have heard um, Dr. Phil McGraw on numerous occasions say uh, that the most important relationship that a child has is the same-sex parent. So, and obviously your book is about dads and sons, etc. Um, obviously, there are a lot of homes where there is no dad. Um, and so obviously, and, and that certainly is a problem, whether it's a family that has a son or a daughter. I, I grew up in a home with no dad. So, you know, there are issues there. But for moms, for mothers who have sons and there is no dad in the house, um, you know, and we may even have some of them listening today. Um, mm. Is there um, is there value in, a mo- in the mom reading this book? Is, is where I'm going with my question. Yeah, yeah, I totally get you. Um, I, I think there is. Uh, first of all, I think um, I want to say that that is incredibly tough uh, to be a mom raising boys, especially in this age with Internet, with everything, with moms, you trying to manage your kids as well as, you know, maybe going to school or working a full time job. That is so tough. And so, you know, God sees you moms and he loves you. Um, he's for you. I think this book can help you some uh, to get a window into how guys think about different topics like friendship, uh, like masculinity, um, like money or sex or or girls or whatever it is. It'll give you somewhat of an insight into how guys think about that so that then you can take it and make the conversation your own. As you talk to your boys. So, yeah, I absolutely think this book would be great for single moms who are out there or even grandparents who are trying to interact with their grandkids because they're caring for them. Um, Those sorts of situations where people think how like these boys are just weird. How do do I get (laughs) into their brains? How do I interact with them in a way that they they can understand? Um, I think that a book like this can help. Uh, start to build those bridges. Cool. Is it good to have um, a substitute male figure in a in a young man's life? Yeah, you know, I'll tell you this much. My son, um, I'm really involved with my son. In fact, right before I came here to do, uh, or I got on the air with you guys, um, I drove my son to school. He and I play video games together. We fish together. We go out on walks together. We go get ice cream together. I'm really involved with my son's life. 
But, you know, at a certain point, what I say to my son just becomes white noise. Yeah. Um, when I start to instruct my son, it becomes white noise. Like I, I, and I get it, right? Like I'm just background noise to him um, a lot of the time. So what I've really appreciated is in my church where I go now, a, a small church plant here in downtown San Diego, uh, there are multiple men who have started to come around my son to help him make sense of the world, um, that's that's a great thing. And so if you're out there and you're a single mom or uh, grandparents raising your, your grandkids, or you're just a dad who finds that like, man, my son just doesn't listen to me all the time, then getting your son plugged in with, with another man uh, in a good, healthy relationship, I think that just, I, that, that just works wonders. Um, as a youth pastor, I could say things to my kids that their dads couldn't say yeah. to them um, and actually have them hear it. And not just like, dude, wash your feet. Um, but, you know, like more serious, substantive things like, hey, I saw the way you were treating that person. Um, I saw the way you were taking advantage of your power in that relationship. And that's just like that's just unkind. Um would you think about that? Would you Would you like me to help you think about that through the lens of how Jesus used his power? Um, I can say those things to a kid that's not mine, and the kid will actually hear it. So yeah, I absolutely think that substitute men in, uh, men coming alongside, I think that goes such a long ways. But, you know, this goes back to the reality that guys just don't know what, uh, like a lot of them just don't know what it means to be a man. They aren't even comfortable in their own skin and who Jesus has made them um, and who he's created them to be and freed them to be. So I think that as guys start to get a hold of that, then it becomes so much easier to do that and give that away to mm. your kids. Good stuff. Joel, you've, um, you've written this as, as like uh, conversations that that uh, father would have with their son. And um, I was just thinking of... Um, Maybe a example scenario you could kind of share with us. Say you're, I mean, when you really kind of mess up in front of your son, say you're, mm. you know, driving to work, and I'm not saying that this happened to me this morning, but you know, you, <laughs> you're anxious to occasions. You're, you're, you're anxious to get to work, and you know, there's this real idiot in front of you, and uh -huh. Uh -huh. the person next to you is obviously trying to cut you off to keep you from switching lanes, and you know, you may utter some <clears throat> things that wouldn't be the best of examples in front of your son, or make certain gestures that you know that. <laughs> So yeah. just take an imaginary scenario uh -huh. like well, that. And the Bible yeah. says the gospel does not apply in traffic. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good thing. Um, so what would a like what would a conversation look like with your son? Oh, yeah. So like this happens with me and my kids uh, on the daily. Like I am I'm one of the most impatient drivers uh, out there. But I consistently have to go back to my kids. First of all, um, I, I ask for forgiveness in the ways that I've sinned against God in front of them. Um, mm. That is a deeply uh, humbling thing to do with your kids. Powerful. To sit there and say to them, like, uh, Dad, Dad screwed up in a big way, um, and this is how. And so I want to ask you for forgiveness because I should never have done this in front of you. 
Um, you know, the funny thing, dads, is so many of us like feel like we can't do that because somehow it'll be like a sign of weakness. But the great thing is about our kids, they already know that you're a terrible parent. Like they already know all your flaws. Uh, like, I mean, this isn't a surprise to them that you're you're like angry, um, you know. So actually admitting that in front of them is really a show of like, man, I'm secure in who Jesus has made me to be. And I'm secure in the forgiveness Um, I'm free from the shame and the guilt um, that comes with me sinning, and I'm free to actually confess this to you because you already know I'm really, really bad at this. Then, starting from that gospel sort of platform, you can begin to work into the conversation, talking to them about how Jesus, Jesus never was impatient with anyone. Um, Hmm. like he never was sinfully impatient. Jesus never flipped the bird to anyone. Um, sorry, I probably can't say that. Uh, Well, probably it's a different podcast. Maybe turned over their tables, which I, he turned over their tables, but didn't do anything more than that. Well, he was mildly irritated. Yeah. Yeah. It frees us as people to go out and try to live in love to our neighbors who don't pay attention where they're driving. (laughs) (laughs) That's That, by the way, is the microcosm of the macrocosm of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. It's not only with our kids, it's with the world. We don't go because we've got it fixed and we're going to fix them. We go as needy sinners who need a great Savior. Hey, guys, this yeah. is going to get even better. And if you go any place, you're just crazy. From Key Life comes two mini books. What do you do for a living? And Life After Retirement. What Do You Do for a Living by Justin Holcomb addresses the problem of defining ourselves by what we do and how we perform in our work instead of by who we know. A gracious, loving God who defines who we are. Life After Retirement by Steve Brown examines how those transitioning from work to retirement often experience a loss of purpose in life and how the quest for personal significance can best be answered by God's radical grace, love, and purpose for our lives sufficient to carry us through this transition. What do you do for a living and life after retirement can help guide people struggling with either work or retirement. These two Key Life mini books are available through keylife.org for a donation of $6. listening to us on Steve Brown, etc. Our guest is Joel Fitzpatrick, and you can find out more from him at Joel Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick is spelled, as it sounds, F-I-T-Z-P-A-T-R-I-C-K dot co. C-O. C-O, yeah, I know. You're I, weird. Like, dot com was taken. What am I going to do about it? Well, <laughs> org that makes you more spiritual that was taken as well i wish there was like a dot church find this guy or like like dot holy guy or something like that but there's none of that yeah the code's better trust me it's awesome (laughs) 
So, Joel, everybody I'm sitting around the table with, this whole discussion of sons and daughters is a little bit on the academic side for them, as we've established. <laughs> However, I am in, all in on this. I have uh, four babies, but two are sons, 10 and 4. And so uh, I'm, I'm in the midst of all of this right now. They'll say, like, hey, Daddy, play video games with me, and I really uh-huh. need to work. And I hear Harry Chapin cranking up in the background, cats in the cradle. <laughs> Come on, uh-huh. I can't win on this. But I really like everything, you, the way you've structured the book. It's very much about connecting with your sons, um, not in a vacuum, but in the midst of life um, and kind of showing yeah. – and it really, it really it reminds me of growing up because, you know, my dad would not sit me down and say, you need to read your Bible and spend time with God and that kind of stuff. I would just happen upon him early, early in the morning doing a Bible study. No big deal. Wouldn't yeah. make a big deal about it. It's just in the midst of life, you see um, this person uh, who, you're, who you're learning from putting these things into action. So talk to us a little bit about why that approach uh, on this about because because just to break it down you you've got different topics wide ranging and you suggest uh, a setting and an activity and kind of some jumping off points talk a little bit about the specific approach of each of these chapters yeah so what I wanted to do is I wanted to uh, help dads understand that when they go into these conversations these aren't just one-time conversations. These are things that they have throughout their life uh, with their sons. And if their son, uh, I mean, frankly, if I sat down with you and was like, hey, let's talk about money, uh, you would probably be like, this is a little bit awkward and weird. But if you and I were walking along and we saw something that we wanted to buy, uh, and we started to talk about money, and then we started to talk about how Jesus uh, used his riches and his power, then it would become more natural. You know, this is this is just like straight the pattern of the Bible, right? Um, I mean, we're supposed to talk with our sons as we walk along. I mean, that's Deuteronomy, right? Proverbs is all of these great conversations that dads have with their sons. Um, we even see that in the way that God structures the Bible and had it written. It's written in a, in a story. It's written for us to feel like we're walking along with these people. So I think that for dads, spending this sort of intentional time with their sons, where they're, they're mixing in activities that are fun and interesting to their sons, mm. But then also help their sons plug in where they belong and where the gospel belongs in their lives with the greater story. I think that's the right way to go about it. Um, dads are super busy. Listen, I, uh, I'm i no longer a pastor, uh, like full time. Now I work for a construction company, which means my day starts at about six o'clock in the morning. And I work in a corporate office, which means my day ends at about five o'clock at night. I get busyness. Um, you guys are going to have to pray for me because I'm also the moderator of my presbytery. Oh, so no. I get busyness. Um, <laughs> you, you know, I, I, I do all of this stuff. I get busyness. But dads, when you take out time to help your son, like actually dial into the gospel and dial into how that works itself out in their everyday lives from fishing to playing Fortnite uh, to going and serving the homeless. Um, that's where your son will start to know what it means to grow into the image of Christ and become a man like Jesus was, who did all of that sort of stuff. Um, 
and yet was still perfect in it. Hmm. You know, it's like there's two different approaches you could take on this. One, one would be where you look at the, the subjects and you create like these kind of activities. At least two of them I saw had to do with ice cream. So kudos to you, sir. I, I, this book really spoke love, to me. I love me some ice cream. Yes, really yes, good. yes. Um, so one could be these kind of intentional planning kind of things. But the other thing, you know, as you're talking about it, is if you kind of just versed yourself in these subjects and these matters of approach, life is sometimes just going to open itself up to these opportunities, like yeah. you said, where I was not planning to talk about money, but I've been reading this book and my kid just talked about, uh, I want to buy yeah. this. Then all of a sudden, you know, kind of this just opportunity could possibly meet your little bit of preparation and you've got kind of a uh-huh. golden moment to capitalize on. Right. So like a perfect example of this, my son loves to fish. So he and I went out, we cruised down to the Coronado Islands just south of the border here in San Diego. On the way back, he was really ripe and ready to talk about what it means to have fun in light of the gospel. So we took that trip back to start to talk about how God is a creative God, how he has a great sense of humor, and what that looks like for us to live into that in light of the gospel for us. Oh man, that is such good stuff. Uh, but I was thinking, you know, when he has a chapter on sex, by the way, in the book, this ain't going to work. <laughs> None of this is going to work when you're talking about that. So we will pose that question to him. And since it's about sex, I don't have to tell you to stay around. <laughs> People turn up the radios when that subject comes up. So... Stay around. (laughs) I have a friend whose little boy gave her a card on her birthday. The problem was, it was a sympathy card. She opened the card and she almost laughed, but stopped when her son said, Mommy, I thought it was the prettiest card in the whole store. So often our gifts to God are flawed, inappropriate, far too little and too late. But trust me on this, he is still pleased. God looks at our hearts and not our gifts. Someone has said that God has the pictures of our lives hanging on his refrigerator. (laughs) Great art, some are downright ugly. That doesn't matter to God. They were drawn by his beloved children. And they are valuable. I'm Steve Brown. You think about that. Hey, share what you just heard with a friend. Go to youthinkaboutthat.com. You're listening to Steve Brown, etc., and our guest is my friend Joel Fitzpatrick. Uh, his book, Between Us Guys, Life-Changing Conversations for Dads and Sons. And you ought to get this book. This is a, this is a great book that every parent ought to have. Um, and he creates situations and shows you how to have conversations that are meaningful and not just a list of to-dos. And it was wonderful and wise until you hit his chapter on sex. <laughs> and uh, then, I, you know, you can't do, I mean, ice cream doesn't fit there, and uh, fishing doesn't fit there, and, uh, 
you know, you're not just walking down through the park and something happens that brings up the subject. I guess you, well, <laughs> how, how do you work this, Yeah, yeah where are you going with this, Mr. Brown? <laughs> no, I want to know where Joel's going to go with it. Yeah, you know, uh, I think that as parents, we get freaked out by by the, the sex conversation with our kids. Um, and there's nothing that's more awkward as a parent. So, you know, quite frankly, go out and buy my other book. It's a great book. It Mom, is, Dad, by the way. Sex. Uh, go pick that bad boy up. It'll help you out. Um, but how do we as dads start to connect with our sons over a topic that, quite frankly, most likely neither of us really want to talk about, um, but our sons desperately need us to talk about to them? Uh, I think that there's a couple ways. One is you got to do it with respect. So when I started to have these conversations with my kids, I actually asked them like, hey, bud, are you ready to have this talk? No. Uh, if you're not, then that's fine. No, we're going to circle back and we're gonna, I'm going to ask you again. Um, but are you ready to have this talk right now? Are you in a place where you feel comfortable having this discussion? Uh when he finally said yes, uh, we went out. Uh, we went out on a walk. We were just walking through the neighborhood. We both knew this was the discussion we were going to have. And what I tried to do is I tried to just be natural about it, to be kind and winsome and generous. Because quite frankly, the Bible gives such a great, uh, like a great way for us to talk to our kids about sex and sexuality. It doesn't say, like, no, sex is bad. Actually, the Bible says, no, sex is really, really good because it's a picture. Our sexuality, our intimacy is a picture of the intimacy we have with Jesus and we're going to have in the consummation uh, when when all things are, are, are brought to a close. It's actually a picture of that intimacy and beauty. But for right now, there's a lot of brokenness that goes on. And so dads, be open, um, be natural, be kind, answer your son's questions, uh, be willing to answer really awkward questions. Uh, I can remember a couple of questions my son asked me that we both just started laughing um, and that was totally OK. Like it was an awkward question, but it still was something that was on his heart and that he needed to ask. Because quite frankly, dads, if you're not providing the space for your son to have that conversation, your son's going to go on Google and he's going to Google his questions. And if you don't think that your son will Google questions, then you're crazy. Uh, even worse than that, your son's going to go to his other friends who have no clue what's happening um, <laughs> and he'll learn from them. And then this really unhealthy view of sex will get passed down. And so, you know, we really get this opportunity to speak words of hope, words of life, uh, words of the gospel, especially when our sons mess up. Uh, the Bible is full of sexual sinners. Uh, if they were to make the Bible into a movie, uh, actually showing the way things happen, then the Bible would be, uh, man, that movie, I doubt it would make it on very many uh, Christians' uh, bookshelves. Um, but, uh, the God is totally radically committed to using sexual sinners, people who are broken sexually to build this kingdom. Uh, you don't have to look much further than King David to see that. And so we can actually give our sons like hope in this, mm. like son, you're not going to be perfect. 
funny thing is, none of us are perfect. And yet Jesus still loves you and is still still radically committed to using you. And he can do that in ways that will blow your mind, just like he's done it with me. You see, those are the sorts of things where we can start to build bridges for our sons to help them see that God really is good and he's kind, and he's merciful, and he's loving, and the gospel is so generous. It's it's mind-blowingly generous. So, I mean, yeah, sex talk is weird. Uh, sex talk is difficult. The sex talk is uncomfortable. And yet, dads, like, this is exactly where God's called us and equipped us through his word, through the scriptures, uh, the exact sort of conversation he's equipped us to have with our boys. You know, Joel, in, in one of the early in the book, you kind of provide some guidelines for how to have these conversations. Uh, you just saying that reminds me of one of those, which was to be transparent with your your son that yeah. you're somebody, you're a fellow sinner. In in that sense, you guys are on equal footing. Maybe don't spill your guts completely. I mean, maybe don't you know tell them the whole catalog of of mess ups. But it seems like when you establish that, you're you're creating. Um, like more pathways back to you. So when they have a question and or when they know they've screwed up, they can have a, a thought of, wait a second, wait a second. God, uh, my dad already told me he, he'd messed up too. You know, we're, we're all human. I'm, I feel safe in having a conversation with him about this. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's so key. Um, so many kids are afraid to tell their parents um, because they're afraid that their parents are going to be super judgy, um, that their parents are going to come down and just drop the hammer on them. What's amazing, though, is when you start to build like uh, uh, Paul Tripp calls it like you breathe the air, like the gospel becomes the air that you breathe. That's what he says. It's like when that becomes the air in your household, the gospel does um, when Jesus forgiving us um, and accepting us. When God looking at us and saying, like, this is my child in whom I'm well pleased because of the work of someone else, when that becomes the air that you breathe, then you know what's amazing? Forgiveness becomes so much easier as a parent. Uh, you don't have to take your kids' mess ups as like a uh, as a testimony or a witness against your parenting. What you can do is you can say, man, I forgive you and I love you. And you know what's funny? I've been waiting because I knew you were messing up. I knew you were doing something. And I've just been waiting for you to come and ask for forgiveness. And I can't wait to forgive you so that our relationship can be restored. And we can talk our way through this without me beating you over the head with the Bible. Um, without making you bitter against God and what he says. Or against me and the way that I tell you what God says. That's the beauty of what happens when the gospel grabs hold of your family. Oh, my. Joel, our time's up, and I just hate it because this is such, That's a bummer. <laughs> such good stuff. And I know you're a busy guy. Thank you. I mean, I'd, I'd give up the church and just do construction. I, I'm just an old guy giving Dude, you some advice. The church is too beautiful. The church is too beautiful. I can't. Oh, I know. Joel. Thanks for taking your time and be with us. We love this book. The title is Between Us Guys, Life-Changing Conversations for Dads and Sons. Bless you, brother. Thanks for having me on, guys. See you, Joel. Bye-bye. Bye.
Hi, this is Eric, producer of Steve Brown, etc. If you've been listening very long, you know I'm a struggling believer, and I'd love to share some things that have helped. At Key Life, we believe that the deepest message of the ministry of Jesus and the Bible is the radical grace of God for sinners and sufferers. And we have four mini books that'll help you believe that no matter what you've done or what you're going through, God's not mad at you. Feeling Guilty, Suffering, and Faith and Doubt by Steve Brown will help you apply healing biblical truth to where it hurts the most. And my mini book, The Gift of Addiction, How God Redeems Our Pain, shows that coming to the end of ourselves is actually the beginning of faith. These four mini books are in the Grace for Sinners and Sufferers mini book combo, and it's available at keylife.org for a suggested donation of $12. They're also individually available for a suggested donation of $4. What a great hour. Uh, uh, just, just thoughtful. Uh, I, um, uh, on the sex thing, it's obvious that Jesus loves me more than he does Joel. Uh, if if you have girls and granddaughters, their mothers have to have that talk. <laughs> a guy just gets out of the way. You leave the room, go for a walk, go down the street and spend some time shooting pool. The mothers have to do that. And there's another advantage. The advantage is, of course, things have changed with the gender thing in bathrooms and restaurants and stuff. But... At least when our kids were growing up and our grandchildren were growing up, when the <laughs> girls had to go to the bathroom, you got to sit there and eat. <laughs> it's obvious that Jesus loves me a good deal more than he does those of you with boys. Right, George? Absolutely. At least in those two areas. Oh, well, absolutely. And then it all goes down the tube when they marry a guy and you have lost. <laughs> <laughs> It is uh, it is amazing, and I love the Paul Tripp quote that uh, the gospel's the air we breathe, and when it becomes that, it's not something that you study; it's something that you are, and when that happens in every area of your life, including with your kids and with your husband and your wife and your friends and your preacher and. In every place you go, it becomes the base of what this thing is all about. It irritates me when people say the gospel is cool, but there's other stuff that's important. And I want to say, what was it that Joel said, flip the bird? <laughs> you know, I just want to say, you're out of your mind, man. You get that, the other stuff will take care of itself. You know, we ought to get a legalist as a guest sometime, a real Pharisee, self-righteous and elitist, okay. and we can make fun of him okay. and Oof. feel self-righteous about having done that. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> to work on that. Who's our guest next week? Uh, next week, we're booting you out of here, and um, Eric, right. is, Eric is going to host, and uh, we're going to have uh, Reverend Michael John Cusick, who we actually have had on the program before a number of years ago. He is um, His ministry is called uh, Restoring the Soul. And he is a licensed counselor, and he's an author. We've talked to him about uh, at least one of his books in the past. But this time, Eric's going to pick his brain about 
who knows what Eric's going to pick his brain about. I mean, can we talk? You never know. <laughs> so you don't want to miss next Don't want to miss it. I certainly won't, but I won't be sitting in this chair. I'll be listening. Hey, guys, don't do anything that we wouldn't do until next week. And that gives you a wide, wide berth.